Welcome, I'm Nestor Flores, the pastor of Dayspring Church in Mission Hills, California. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I want to invite you to learn more about Dayspring Church by visiting our website, dayspringmh.org. We trust that if you open your heart, God will speak to you and you'll know how to live a life with God at the center that will result in a blessed life. This message will inspire, build your faith, and help you to know God better. Enjoy the message. Today we're going to close out our series and uh, we've been talking about keeping the faith. And look at what Hebrews 3.14 says. It says, for if we are faithful to what? To the end. If we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. This past uh, week, I heard Pastor Dudley, pastor from Shepherd of the Hills, say, many people kiss heaven, but it's not about kissing heaven. It's about entering heaven. And a lot of times we kiss heaven because we, we, we come to the Lord and maybe we have a relationship with him, but then something happens and we walk away from our faith. And scripture tells us that those who stay faithful to the end will share in all that belongs to Christ, will share in the inheritance of Christ. What inheritance is that, Pastor? Well, there's no greater inheritance than heaven. There's no greater inheritance than spending eternity with your creator. So in order to keep the faith, we've been talking about four scenarios, four cases where people tend to walk away from their faith. The first week, we said that when culture and church and your faith collide, a lot of people abandon their faith. Then we said that sometimes we come to God and he blesses us and he's so good with us that life becomes good that then we get too busy and we don't have room for God. Last week, we said that one of the biggest complaints of non-Christians and even of Christians is that Christians are what? Hypocrites that they show to be something that they're not. And when people see that hypocrisy, they walk away. Well, today I want, to tell, I want us to talk about one of the biggest reasons why people walk away from their faith. And that is unmet needs. Let me ask you this question. What do you do when God doesn't do what you think he ought to do? Or, or let me say it this way. What have you done when you were counting on God to act a certain way, to do a certain thing, and he didn't. Leilani, can you put that scripture Commander Rudy read? We, Commander Rudy read the scripture, and it's so wonderful. And he says, you are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. But I think some of us would say, there's some things that I believed God for that he didn't do. What do you do? You know, Josh sang about he will never fail us. Can we be honest and say that sometimes we felt like God has let us down? What do you do? Sadly, many walk away from their faith. Let's pray and then I'll start preaching. Is that all right? (laughs) Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful morning that we get to be in your house. Lord, speak to us. Lord, if we are far away, May we not hear the shouts of an angry father, but may we see the open arms of a loving father inviting us back. Lord, if we're lukewarm in our faith, may we make the decision today to follow you 
till the end. Lord, let your word not just inform our mind, but transform our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You know, newlyweds, they, they get married expecting a Cinderella and Prince, and Prince Charming story. They get married. You, you see those cynical laughters of those that have been married for a while? They get married thinking, you know, we're always going to love each other and he's going to wake up and make breakfast for me. It's going to be a Disney story. But what they don't realize is that only after a few years, it is a Disney story, but a completely different one. It's more like Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> right? Parents have kids with the expectation that they're going to be smart and wonderful and obedient and they're going to have a great relationship with them. But then these wonderful, smart, loving kids become teenagers and they turn into little monsters that disrespect you, hate you, and want nothing to do with you. Right? All of us in our lives have expectations of how things ought to work out, of how things ought to be, right? And some expectations are good and yes, some expectations are bad. Expectations like, like what kind of job we ought to have, what kind of house we're going to live in, uh, what kind of people, how people are going to treat us, what our career is going to look like. And see, there's nothing wrong with having expectations, at least not good ones, but there is a danger. And the danger is that whenever there's expectations, there's the possibility of disappointment and unmet expectations. I thought can be a very dangerous statement. I thought you loved me. I thought you would always love me. I thought I could really count on you. I thought you were incapable of hurting me that way. And it's good for us to have expectations, but the risk is that when those expectations are not met, then there's disappointment. Now, now, it's one thing to have unmet expectations between spouses. It's one thing to have unmet expectations as a family. It's one thing to have unmet expectations between the employee and the employer. But it's a whole other thing when there's unmet expectations with God. It just goes to another level. It just feels like it, like it hurts a little bit more. So let me ask once again, what do you do when God doesn't do what you think he ought to do? What do you do when, when, when you're saying, God, I know you're going to do this, and God, I know that you're going to make this happen, and God doesn't? What do you do? How do you handle that sense of disappointment? And you know, the truth is that we all come to God with certain expectations. Do you know yours? Why is it that you're here this morning? There's some ex expectation that you have of God, something that you are trusting, counting on him to do. And what happens if he doesn't? What happens when God disappoints you? Not because he's evil, not because he's not faithful, but because sometimes we have expectations on God that God doesn't place on himself. What do you do? Well, I want us to look at the story of a man that Jesus said was the greatest among all who were born. He was the first to identify Jesus as the Messiah. 
Not only was he the first to identify Jesus as the Messiah, he was the one called to prepare the way for Jesus. And it gets even better. He was cousins with Jesus. Pastor, who are you talking about? John the Baptist. I want us to look at John's story and in, in in two particular things that happened in his life so that we can answer the question, what do you do? What do you think God would say when we complain, God, I thought you would do this and you didn't. Look, look, look at what John says in John 1, 29. This is the first time that somebody identifies Jesus as the Messiah. And the gospel reads, it says, The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, he shouted. He said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, now, you have to to understand what's going on here. John clearly recognized Jesus as the answer to our sin problem. He said, the one we've been waiting for many, many years, the one that had been promised, the one that is going to change life, the one that is going to do something about our sin problem, that's Jesus. And he even goes a step further, just a few verses. Look at what he says in John 1.34. He says, I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. Sound familiar? Maybe when you came to the Lord, you were excited. Man, God is so awesome. God is so good. And all the time. But then look at what happens a few years later. Look at what happens in Matthew 11, verses 2 and 3. It says, John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about all the things the Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus. Look at what he asked. He says, are you the Messiah we've been expecting? Or should we keep looking for somebody else? What? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What? How do you go from this is the Lamb of God, this is the chosen one, to now say, hey, are you the one or should we keep looking? How? How do you go? What what happened? What happened between John saying, this is the Lamb of God, to now sending two of his disciples to ask Jesus, hey, Jesus, are you the one or did I get it wrong? What happened? Well, the verse tells us prison happened. You know, it's so interesting that prison can make believers of unbelievers and unbelievers of believers. Prison happened. John is in prison. And here's the crazy part. He's not in prison because he's done something wrong. John is in prison because a teenager sexually danced and then the key, Herod offered her any wish. So she went to her bitter mother and said, what should I ask for? And her mother hated John so much that she said, why don't you ask for the head of John? John hasn't done anything wrong other than to call out Herod's sin and say, hey, what you're doing, it's wrong because you are living with your brother's wife. And it's in prison. John has been in prison for about a year. And when you're in prison, I haven't been there yet, and I hope to never be there, but I hear that you get to think a lot. And John, John surely must have thought, wait a minute, I'm here innocent. I didn't do anything wrong. I'm 
John the Baptist, the chosen one to prepare the way. I'm the one that preaches boldly and that has identified Jesus. He, if he's the Messiah, he'll surely get me out of prison, won't he? Sound familiar? God, if you're God, you would heal my marriage. God, if you're God, you would bring my child back. God, if you're God, if you're truly God, you would heal me from this cancer. What do you do? What do you do like John who expected Jesus to take him out of prison? And if you know the story, you know that, that Jesus didn't. That John indeed was beheaded. Think about that. John the Baptist beheaded because a teenager sexually danced in front of King Herod. Where was God? What was God thinking? What kept Jesus from stopping? What, what stopped Jesus from going out to rescue John? So what do you do? It's kind of quiet, right? Because I think this hits home. God, if you're God, why isn't my dad back yet? God, if you're so powerful, why is my brother still wasting his life and lost? And you got your own one. So what do you do? What do you do when it feels like God isn't meeting your needs? Well, I want to give you three things that you do. You ready for this? Would you elbow the person next to you and tell them, wake up, get ready for this. <laughs> Number one, when it feels, and I use the word feel because it feels to us, but it doesn't always mean that that is the case. But when it feels like God isn't meeting my expectations, what do you do? You look for what he is doing. You look for what he is doing. We get caught up on the what God is not doing. And it may be just one thing he's not doing, but there's so much more that he is doing. Look at how Jesus responds to John's question. Look at what it says in verses four and five. He says, Jesus told them, go back to John and tell him what you have heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are risen to life, and the good news is being preached to the... Boy, Jesus alludes to what was going to be the description of the Messiah. In the Old Testament, it had been prophesied that the Messiah would do these things. Now, uh, 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 a commentary noted that one of the things that, that, that Jesus left out in the answer that is found in the Old Testament is that one of the things that the Messiah would do is set the captives free. But you notice Jesus doesn't say that. He did answer his question. And he says, listen, it's not what you want, but, but just because I'm not doing what you want doesn't mean I'm not the Messiah. Because I'm preaching to the poor, I, I'm taking care of the sick, I am doing the work of the Messiah. I may not be doing the work of what the Messiah you want, but I am doing the work of the Messiah. See, when it feels like God isn't meeting our need, we need to stop and consider at all the other things that God is doing. Right. 
Because you know, God is better than we know him to be. He's better than we give him credit to be. And there are things that God has done in your life that you are not aware of, that if you just stop and think, you'll say, yeah, okay, God hasn't given me this one thing, but he has done all these wonderful things. You know, we do that not just with God, but in our relationships as well. Oh, man, she's always so late. I'm just so sick of her because she is always so late. But you miss out that she's a wonderful wife and a wonderful mother. And you get caught up on the one flaw she has that, that, that you just throw the baby with the bathwater. You know, ladies, oh, he's just so messy. He's, he's such a cochino, you know. It's like his mom made him this way. But, 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 but what you miss out? Oh, was that too real? I'm sorry. But what you miss out, lady, ladies, is that he's a faithful man to you. That he's faithful and that, 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 that he's there loving you and he's trying his best. Yeah, he doesn't know how to pick up chonies, but, but he's, he's a good man. I heard a story. I heard a story of a family who had two boys and uh, in a tragic accident, they lost one of them. And many years later, the surviving child expressed the following, and he said, I feel like I don't exist because all that my mom and dad see is my brother who is not here. What do you do when God doesn't do what you think you ought to do? You look for the good that he is doing. God is always working in our lives. And there's so much in our lives that we have not because we deserve it, but because he is simply good. Number two, what do you do when you feel like God isn't meeting your expectations? You fall forward, not away. You fall forward, don't fall away. Jesus doesn't just answer, answer John's question, but he also provides encouragement and direction for him. And look at what he also says in verse six. He says, and he added, look at this, this is so awesome. God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. This is a staggering verse. Jesus anticipated that there would be people who would walk away from him because he, did, he would not meet their expectations. Jesus anticipated that there would be people who would abandon a relationship with God because Jesus didn't do things their way. And you know, this is important because... When we experience disappointment, we tend to run. We run. It's, 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 it's our natural sinful behavior to run. You're disappointed with your friend, you run from them. You ghost them. You don't answer their text messages. You don't answer their calls. And then you lie and you say that you're too busy, but what you're really doing is running. When you are disappointed in your family, what do you do? You run from them. You don't go to the dinners. You don't go to visit them. You run from them. When you're disappointed from your spouse, what is it that many people do? They run. They say, I'm done. We're getting a divorce. I want nothing to do with you. And we do the same with God. When we get disappointed with God, we run from God. Do you know why we run? Because somehow we think that by running, we can run from the disappointment. But isn't it true that you can't run disappointment? 
that it comes with you, that it follows you, that you can run from marriage to marriage, from relationship to relationship, from church to church, from job to job. And until you address your heart, the disappointment will follow you wherever you go. So we don't fall away from God. We fall to God. Why? Well, because when you're disappointed, the one that can minister to you, that one that can take care of you, is the one you tend to run from. Only God can truly deal and minister to your disappointment. He's the only one that can heal your hurt. He's the only one that can restore trust. He's the only one that can restore your joy. And if you run from him, if you fall away from him, then you'll run all your life. Some of you, you're running. And you keep blaming everybody else. Everybody else is the problem. But you're running. And you're running from God, most importantly. But you want to know something? God doesn't get tired of chasing after you. And aren't we glad he didn't? I'm glad he pursued me until he caught up to me. And I'm glad that even when I try to run away, what does he do? Where are you going, Miko? Get back here. Don't fall away. Now, 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 here's the thing. We tend to fall away from God instead of falling to God because things happen and we don't understand them. I don't understand why my kid had to get cancer. I don't understand why I had to be sexually abused. I don't understand why... Why, why my savings had to go down that way. There's so much we don't understand. But let me tell you something. Life, our life, is like a quilt. Have you ever seen those, those quilts, especially that, that, they, that, that Hispanics made, right? On the backside, quilts are a mess, aren't they? They got knots and zigzags and, and the colors. There's no patterns. It's a mess. But then you turn the quilt around, and what happens? It's beautiful. Listen, there's so much that we're not going to understand here on earth until we get to eternity. And our existence is like a quilt. There's things that happen here that we say, we don't understand. Why, why, why didn't you do that, God? Why did you do that? Why did you let that happen? And listen, one day, one day, if we stay faithful, we will be before the Lord. I strongly believe this, and this is how I encourage my dad. We're going to stand before the Lord, and we're going to understand. And not only are we going to understand, but those things you cry about now, you will give him praise for then. Those things that you complain about now, you will give him thanks for then. Because there is so much on this side of earth that we don't understand. So we need to simply trust God and say, listen, I don't like it. I don't, I don't understand it, but I'm not running from you. I am going to run to you. Amen. Third, what do you do when God isn't meeting your expectations? I always save my best point for the end, right? What do you do when God isn't, when it feels like God isn't meeting your expectations? You remember that your greatest need has already been met. You remember that your greatest need has, ever been, has already been met. Now listen, I don't want to belittle what happened to you. I don't want to belittle what, what, what feels like a burden, what has caused discouragement in you. But I do want to tell you that as painful and as difficult as that was, that was not your greatest need. That your greatest need is not a relationship or healing 
or money or an opportunity. Your greatest need was a sin problem. And God has already met that need. I need to remind you that even if God doesn't do anything else for you and for me, what he already did at the cross and with the empty tomb is enough for us to follow him the rest of our life. Man. See, see, the problem is, the problem that, 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 that happens is that we can correctly identify Jesus and incorrectly identify his mission. Oh, come on. I thought somebody was going to say amen. I, I don't think you got it. Let me say it again. Let me say it again. Maybe somebody online will do it. But see, a lot of times we correctly identify Jesus and we say, he's the son of God. He's the Messiah. He's the one with power and authority. But then we can incorrectly identify his mission and think, oh, Jesus is here to give me a good life and a rose petal bed and make all my wishes come true. And let me tell you, that is is not his mission. Let me remind you once again what John said was his mission. John said the following. The next day John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus' mission is not to give you the American dream. Jesus' mission was to give you the greatest dream of all, heaven. And what kept us from heaven was sin. Now, 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 check this out. After Jesus says, uh, he says, he says to John, hey, tell John this and, and tell him the blessed are those who do not fall away. He sends the disciples and then he begins to brag to the crowds about John the Baptist. You missed it. John the one Jesus, quote unquote, is going to allow and let his head be cut off. Then suddenly Jesus begins to brag about him. And look at, look at what he says about John. Look at what he says in verse 11. He says, I tell you the truth of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. Okay, stop. Not even Moses. Not even David. Not even Elijah. Not even the disciples that were there. No one was greater than John. Jesus, the one you're going to let his head get cut off. There's no one greater than him. Yeah, that's what Jesus said. But that's not what's, what's, what's impressive. What's impressive is what he's going to say next. And look at what he says. He says, yet even the least person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he is. Let me interpret that for you. You're greater than John the Baptist. Me? Me? I, you know, I never got into preach to multitudes like John, but I'm greater than John the Baptist. That's what Jesus said. You? You sometimes still shouts at your kids and, and has road rage. You're greater than John the Baptist who, who, who only ate certain foods and, and, and lived in the desert and obeyed God all his life. Yes, you. Why would Jesus say that? I'll tell you why. Because before Jesus, every person that placed their faith in God went to paradise. They were waiting. They didn't go directly to the presence of God. But because of the work of Jesus, because of the kingdom of God, 
Now you and I, Paul says, that to be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. And you know why that is possible? Not because you're cute and your hair looks amazing and you drive a really nice car. No, the only reason that's possible is because your sins and my sins have been forgiven. Our greatest need has been met. So if God doesn't heal your daughter, he still has met your greatest need. If God doesn't change your husband, he has already still met your greatest need. If God doesn't make a way, he has still already met your greatest need. There's a wonderful book that I want to recommend for you to read. It's called The Prisoner in the Third Cell by Gene Edwards. And in this book, it's a short book, he talks, he, he adds more details to this whole story of John trusting Jesus and John end, ending up dying. And I want to read just a few words of the last chapter. So I hope I don't ruin the book for you. If you want to read the book, maybe cover your ears so that I don't ruin it for you. But I thought it was very fitting as we end. And Gene Edward writes something along these lines, and he says, A time like John's awaits us all. It is unavoidable because every believer imagines his God to be a certain way. We're quite sure our God will do certain things under certain conditions. But our Lord is never quite what we imagine him to be. We will come face to face with the God whom we do not fully understand. We'll meet a God who won't live up to our expectations. Every believer must come to, grip, to grips with a God who did not do things quite the way it was expected. And he says the following. He says, we're going to get to know our Lord by faith or we will not know him at all. Faith in him. Trust in him not in his ways. God blesses those who do not fall away because of pain. We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare him your God. No one loves you like Jesus, and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but he didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you, transform my life through your truth and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations. If you made that prayer, God lives in you and now you have a new life in him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Dayspring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.